listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michael and I'm here with the Top Music Guitar Podcast. And today I've got a real treat, a really special guest and a great friend of mine from Boston. Or yep, Boston, Massachusetts. So yeah. we've got Lauren Bateman, a really great friend, someone who's got a wealth of knowledge in the guitar and music teaching fields, as well as an extreme amount of business knowledge. Someone with a very successful brick and mortar music school and who's made a really great transition into the online teaching space. So Lauren Bateman, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for excited to be here and do this. Oh, it's great to have you. So yeah, for the listeners who haven't heard of you yet, and you know, if you, you've looked up guitar on YouTube, chances are that you have come across Lauren and her <laughs> channel in one way, shape or form. But Lauren, can you give the listeners a brief overview of your story so far, your journey uh, and transition from a scientist to a music school owner and now an online teacher? Yeah, I'll kind of give you the the abridged version of that. Um, so I started off in science. You know, I took piano lessons when I was a kid and I absolutely hated piano because it was all the sight reading and everything that like bogged me down and I hated it. And my sister gave me a guitar when I was 16 as a confirmation present. And my mom told her not to buy it because I was just going to waste it and I wasn't going to do anything with it. Um, so, you know, I wasted the piano lessons, so they weren't going to give me guitar lessons. So I kind of had to teach myself how to play this instrument and just always loved music. Um, went to school for science, got degrees in archaeology and biology. Uh, I worked as a labor construction worker for a number of years. And then I switched off and worked for a pharmaceutical company and cancer research for a number of years until I decided that, you know, music was just what I was passionate about. And I needed to do something with music. I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, so I was just kind of like typing in Google, like how to phase out your job to do music full time. So I ended up quitting my job and I started, you know, performing. But, you know, when you're performing originals, you're not really making a lot of money. So I had to make money. So I started teaching. And I didn't even teach guitar in the beginning because I felt so uncomfortable with guitar because I was mostly self-taught. I actually started with teaching voice, uh, but then I did end up adding guitar after the fact when I realized I knew a lot more than most beginners know. Uh, and that I was actually, you know, compared to an absolute beginner, I actually knew a lot about the guitar. And I just started teaching out of, you know, a spare bedroom in my apartment. And then moved over to like a bigger studio and hired uh, my first teacher who was then teaching out of a spare bedroom in, in that, that apartment. And then hired another teacher to work the days that he wasn't working. And, and then I was like, you know, if I got all these people coming in and out of the house, uh, maybe I should open a commercial location. So I actually opened my first commercial location in um, November 2012. So that was the first LB Music School. Um, then opened a second in 2016 and a third in 2019. 
Uh, we did lose one of those during COVID. We did go back down to two, but we still have the two music schools that are up and running. You know, last month, I think maybe we did like 75,000 in sales between the two locations for the brick and mortar. And, you know, in that time, I, you know, I was originally the original teacher and I was teaching every day of the week, lots of hours. And I realized I actually had a car crash through my building in 2014 and realized that um, you can't be working in your business and on your business at the same time. I learned that lesson very quickly. And, uh, but I, I miss teaching. So I wasn't really teaching anymore. And in 2017, I decided I'm going to start trying this YouTube thing and see if I can help people and where this is going to go. I had no clue like what was going to happen. I was just like, I'm just going to throw some videos up on YouTube and like, and see how it goes. Um, so now YouTube has kind of been my main thing. I still have the brick and mortars running and I have administrators and stuff that help me with that side of the business. Um, so it's really been an evolution over, you know, the past, what am I going to say, like 12 years that I've been doing this. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun and there's been a lot of, you know, ups and downs and stresses. And I'm sure we'll talk more about those. Uh, but I guess that's that's the quick version of the story. Yeah. You know, quick version of the story, but there's already such a wealth of knowledge and, and <laughs> stuff that you've already shared there. I noticed you said like you lacked confidence in your teaching ability. Absolutely. As long as you were a couple of steps ahead of the student, you know, you knew more than them. And for whatever reason, you find that music teachers, guitar players, um, musicians always suffer from imposter syndrome where, you know, they're unsure of their ability or they're doubting. So uh, obviously, you know, you went into it briefly, but do you want to expand on what gave you some confidence to, you know, ramp up the teaching? Yeah, I'll tell you the story about what happened. So, you know, I was teaching voice and I had taken voice lessons. So I was like, I felt a little bit more confident in that I knew what I was doing, even though I had to teach myself how to play all the scales and stuff on piano. But other than that, I felt pretty confident in voice. So one day I was like, you know, I got to make more money if I teach guitar too, like I can get more clients, right? Voice and guitar. So I had my guitar in hand. I had a spare one. I brought it into the living room. And, you know, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, she was there and I said, can you just humor me for like, five minutes. And she said, okay, sure. So she had never touched a guitar before. She was a drummer, but she had never touched a guitar. I said, I just want to teach you something. Just, I just want to see, you know, if I can do this. And it was Ode to Joy, very, very simple, single note melody. And I think she played two notes, if even that. And I ripped the guitar out of her hand. I was like, thank you so much. I went into my office, which was like literally the room next door. And um, I added guitar lessons to my website because I forgot how hard it is for a beginner just to play a single note. And she just having her go through that process reminded me like I am so much better <laughs> than that. And it's like, OK, we have a wide enough gap here that I felt comfortable that I could that I could help someone at that point. Fantastic. And yeah, you only need to be a couple of steps ahead. I wouldn't recommend being for anyone listening here, you know, only one step ahead and having to do like, you know, 10 hours of preparation every week for your lessons. But yeah, don't underestimate how little total beginners know and how hard it is for them in the beginning to do really basic things. But thank you for sharing that story, Lauren. Yeah. Now you mentioned, you know, you had three locations. Um, unfortunately, you dropped back down to two and I'm sure, that, you know, lots of other listeners here have been put into similar positions where um, they had to make some hard decisions or, you know, really beaten around by COVID. But you're obviously doing something really well in your brick and mortar business to go up to three and even, you know, drop back down to two and still be doing, you know, 75 grand a month. There's some pretty big numbers. So yeah, what are some of the amazing things that you're doing over at um, the Lauren Bateman Music Schools that give it that wow factor. 
Yeah. So, you know, our, just to give you a comparison, like before COVID, like February 2020, our high point of the business was $90,000. And that was with three, that was with three locations. So to be at 75 with just two, we're doing pretty good. So, you know, for me, I think the important uniqueness of my personality and the, you know, fun over perfection. I tell people because we're, we're in Boston and of course there's Berkeley. And I always tell people like, we're the music school for people who don't want to go to Berkeley. <laughs> like, that's, what I, that's what I tell people. I'm like, we, we just want you to have fun. And I always, you know, I try and instill in my teachers, you know, every student is coming and taking music lessons for a unique reason. And probably 95% of the students who come through our door are not going to do anything with music professionally. So make it fun for them, make it enjoyable, make this, if they're coming for a lesson once a week for half hour, make this the most gratifying half hour of their week. Make this the place like that they want to go and hang out, that it's stress-free. And that's what we do, even with like the colors of the studio, with bright colors inside. We want people to walk through the door and feel and feel energized. Not that it's like, you know, I, my piano lessons, I took them in the convent. OK, so I had like nuns running around in the background. But I mean, that was like when you think of like the old style of, of piano lessons, like it was that classical style. I wasn't allowed to learn any like contemporary music and I ended up hating it and I didn't want someone to go through that. So I always tell my my teachers, you know, it, it's great to do these classical methods. And I'm sure you all have, you know, great methods of teaching. Just remember that every student's unique. Find out what the enjoyment is for them and follow that path instead of always trying to like stay on your path. That is absolutely critical. Like, yeah, making sure you understand the reasons why students are there and, and, and being adaptive and dynamic to to what they want to learn. And yeah, I can totally relate to like the, uh, I'm sure many people can, you know, learning in the convent or just yeah. this really boring old stale kind of approach to teaching. And that's really doing your students a disservice. So yeah. Right. If the listeners, we don't just keep on harping on this about at top music because, you know, we have a certain agenda to push. It's literally like, if you want to be really successful hearing from, you know, one of the most successful music teachers I know is make it fun for the students. Um, there's definitely a grounds for classical music and the academic approach but if your students aren't having fun then you know at the end of the day they're only going to be with you for a short period of time right i mean if you love jazz that's awesome like get your students to the point where maybe they will appreciate jazz but understand that most students walking through your door aren't going to want to do jazz and that's probably i would say you know the top five complaints i get from students and and students who do my online courses that were taking lessons with in-person people they're like my guitar teacher just like wanted to show me what they could play all day. So it's like, the, the, don't make it about you. It's about them. And when you make it about them, it doesn't matter what you do in business. That's what's going to that's what's going to make them want to come back because they realize that you care about them and that you're not there just to show off what you can do. 100 percent. Awesome. Um, so obviously you're doing really, really well on the business side of things, as well as, you know, obviously connecting with students and giving them an awesome experience. Uh, what are some of the actions that you took that led to that massive growth in your offline uh, brick and mortar music school? One, hiring good staff, you know, make sure you're hiring good people who understand 
what you're trying to do. So I don't, just going back to what we were just talking about, I don't hire anyone that takes music too seriously. (laughs) We have a laid back approach. You know, if I get someone who's like, oh yeah, the first thing I would do when they walk through the door is teach them music theory. I'm like, you will not teach at my school because that's just not in line with what our vision is for the school. We can teach them music theory down the road, but I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't want that like in the first lesson because that's going to send them out the door. So I think it's really defining with staff what your mission is. And if you don't have any staff, you understanding what, what your mission is. And then again, treating people like, like humans, you know, making people know that you care about their progress and that you sincerely want to help them accomplish a goal. Because, you know, when I first started, I I taught a lot of adults and I know what guitar tends to be kind of teen and adult heavy for a lot of people. And most of the, these adults have doubts. They've come from guitar teachers. I have one student who told me, yeah, my last guitar told me, teacher told me I should quit guitar and play harmonica. And I was just like, really? Like, no, we're going to teach you how to play guitar. We're not going to teach you how to play harmonica. So it's, it's really understanding that you, I always tell people like, you're kind of like a psychologist, 80% of it's psychology and 20% of it is guitar. So if you can understand what makes your person tick, what motivated them to come through the door and then delivering on what you say you're going to do, then that's it. Even if they're the worst guitar player in the world, if you do that, they're going to come back every week. You heard it there, listeners. There's the you know recipe for success right there. So, and yeah, one of the biggest breakthroughs in my business was definitely transitioning from trying to make everyone, you know, a six hour a day kind of practicer and just going, oh no, at the yeah. end of the day, we want them playing songs. If, if it comes to Christmas time and they're in front of their family and go, oh, you've been taking guitar lessons can you play me something and they can't play something, then, you know, they've wasted their whole year and doesn't matter how fast they can play a pentatonic scale or an exercise, they've got no measurement or that gratification. So going back to having fun and hiring the right people that facilitated that. Yeah. It started with my mindset and then getting people who are people, you know, people uh, pleasers who could connect with people was, was absolutely huge in my business. Yeah. That's when retention went up and, and, we started getting a really cool vibe as opposed to being this really strict place. So, yeah, I think when you start understanding, it's about the simple things. You know, I had a, um, an 80 year old that again, someone that was in my course and he was just like, I played happy birthday for his wife was turning 82. And he's like, I played happy birthday for my wife on the guitar. And that was like, the best thing in the world. And you know, what's happy birthday, a few like single line melody notes, but to him, and probably her as well, that was like the greatest moment. And it's something that's just so simple, but it means so much. 100%. And we often underestimate the ability we have to have a really massive impact on our students' lives. And, you know, we might be thinking, you know, success for us is being on a stage in front of a thousand people or getting a record deal or, you know, all these really big pie in the sky kind of ideas, but it's that little everyday things like, yeah, teaching someone to play happy birthday or uh, a younger student getting up at assembly in front of their school and, and playing the national anthem. It's little things like that, which, you know, yeah. create those life-changing events down the track. So uh, that's absolutely terrific, Lauren. I know we, a lot of us can learn a lot from what you've just said there, but obviously keeping my eye on you the last couple of years is your YouTube channels really blown up and, and taken off and, you know, 
doesn't say I can't go on Facebook or YouTube without seeing one of your videos or, or one of your ads. So, you know, you're just absolutely everywhere, which is happening, becoming omnipresent. So what's obviously led to this transition to YouTube and what was your approach that's made you stand out so much compared to, you know, especially with everyone, you know, anyone with a camera these days can become a YouTube teacher, especially with COVID. So yeah, what's been the, the intentionality behind that process from your end? Yeah. So, so like I alluded to earlier, you know, um, I stopped teaching in my business completely. So I was just working on managing the brick and mortars. You know, I had over 20 employees and multiple locations. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot to juggle. So you can't really be teaching a full schedule and, and, and juggling all that. But I really miss teaching. I really, you know, I, I guess my passion was really just teaching and, and making people happy. So I missed that, but I needed something that would allow me to be able to teach people without me needing to be at this location from, you know, four o'clock to eight o'clock or any specific time, because not only do I do, you know, the guitar brick and mortar, the online, I have real estate, I have other stuff that I'm doing. So I have a very, very busy life. So I need to have flexibility in my scheduling. And that's why I was like, well, I'm going to do YouTube because I can obviously record the content whenever it's, whenever it's free for me to do so. And, you know, there's no requirement for me to have to be in a certain spot um, on any given day of the week. I can kind of make my own schedule. So that was appealing to me. And for me, I think the thing that was very important from the beginning and why I had so much success early on uh, again, and I think this comes from just my background in, in business and understanding marketing, I knew exactly who my audience was going into it, which I think a lot of YouTubers, um, and even I've worked, you know, I've done YouTube coaching with um, with guitar teachers and other music teachers. I actually had a voice teacher the other day, and we were talking about her channel, and, you know, she's putting up technique videos, and she's putting up, you know, performances of her singing. And I just asked her, I said, well, what what genre of music brings you to life? And she really loves teaching musical theater and, and doing musical theater stuff. And I said, well, you need to hone in on that. You're not just a voice teacher anymore. You are a musical theater teacher. <laughs> like you, that's going to be your thing. And every lesson you put on your YouTube is going to be related to musical theater or technique and singing. And for me, you know, I just thought about who is the person that I loved teaching the most when I was doing private lessons. Like who were the students that I'm like, I can't believe they're paying me to have this much fun. And for me, it was always those people who are over the age of 50. One, because we all like the same music, okay? So I love, you know, the classic rock, the Beatles, you know, the old school singer songwriters. Plus it was music that actually had a guitar in it. So that was helpful too. And I just had a lot of fun. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna be, I'm going to be the guitar teacher for like boomers right now. Like I I'm going to go after like the retired audience. Cause what's the biggest excuse for guitar? I don't have time. I'm like, well, you're retired. You've got plenty of time now. So I, you know, when I went on YouTube, that's it. I focused all my song lessons. I mean, technique is technique. A D chord is a D chord is an E chord, no matter what you're doing. But my songs focus on the Beatles, Neil Young, CCR, so I was attracting people with the lessons I was putting out. And that's something, um, just to give you guys a little insight on YouTube, that is a, a YouTube signal. So YouTube, when you release a video, it 
sees if your subscribers are actually watching the videos. And if your subscribers are showing interest in the content you're putting out, YouTube, it tells you, it, YouTube literally tells you this. It says, because more of your regular viewers are watching this video, it's giving it wider viewership. YouTube shoots it out to other people. So that's why I always tell people, who's your audience? Know who your audience is because if you make a video that's not for your audience and nobody watches it, YouTube's never gonna show that video to anyone. So I, th those are things I work with with clients is really getting down to like, who are you serving and what problems are you trying to solve for them? I got baby boomers, all right? They have had this lifelong dream that they've given up on probably three or four times and they finally wanna make it happen. So that's, that's the pain that I dig into. And I, you know, I always tell people, you know, kind of like our vision is we want to make sure you don't leave this world with the music still inside you. That's what, I mean, because that's the one I'm teaching. These are the people who are trying to check off their bucket list. And I'm the teacher who's helping them check off their bucket list before they die. Absolutely amazing stuff. And yeah. Yeah. It obviously shows, you know, there's a degree in your business knowledge and your ability to, you know, connect the dots, which is, leading into all this because so many guitar teachers it's just oh yeah i can play guitar so i guess i can teach for a little bit of money but you know if you get right into the business start of things as you said learning psychology and, and connecting with people but to be like you know the go-to person to help them tick off you know guitar from their bucket list that that is just so much deeper than what most people ever go to it, it's a it's a powerful reason why you know, I mean, it's a good why for why I help people and I get all the messages reaffirming that, you know, but just because that's what I do doesn't mean that has to be what, you know, someone else does. And I think that's part of the success is finding out what makes you unique because every teacher has a different teaching style. So I teach different than Justin Guitar, than Marty, than Andy, than, you know, the dozen other Rick Beato, you know, all those guys. I'm female, which also helps because most, uh, most of the big YouTube guitar teachers are, are male. So, um, so that does help. But, you know, what is unique about you? My personality is unique to me and I'm going to attract people who like my personality and Justin's going to attract people who like him and his stories and the way, the way he talks, you know, he's got that accent and everything. And Andy too, you know, they got the accent. So, you know, you're going to be attracted to who you like. And, and that's why so many people can be successful. Yeah. And there's just, even if you think you have the smallest niche ever, or you're super specific, the world is such a big place. And when you have access to that online world, there's literally, you know, 7 billion people, uh, who are going to come looking for you. And if you can just resonate with your own audience and, and be yourself, then that, of course, you'll, you'll find the people. You just got to stick with it for long enough or intentionally go about right. going out and finding them. Right. But, yeah, it seems like you've got such an amazing wealth of knowledge on YouTube as well. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your YouTube coaching for any of the teachers that might be interested in moving onto you know, the online space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I have I have another website that I just started um, last year. It's called Full Time Tubers. 
I do have a free training over there, but I also have um, a little jumpstart course that I, I start most people on who are kind of interested in getting started with YouTube. Because when you're just getting started versus like you've got 5,000, 10,000 subscribers, it's it's a little bit different that the, the what you do is different. Um, what I'm doing now at 175,000 subscribers is different than what I was doing at, you know, 5,000 subscribers. So uh, I, I just coach people on some of the aspects that we're talking about. What works? What doesn't work? Okay. What are tried and true things that will help you get more visibility? Good thumbnails, good titles. Okay. Those hands down every time. If your thumbnail stinks, nobody's going to click on the video. So even when you have two subscribers or two million subscribers, you have to have a good thumbnail. So it's focusing on the fundamentals of what's going to help you get started, getting some of that business acumen down, understanding that, you know, you're creating a business and to make money, you have to have something to sell. Unfortunately, you know, we're musicians, we're teachers, so we can sell courses about learning to play our instruments. So that's what I do with a lot of service providers is one, make sure do we have a course? Do we have something we can sell that people want and start building an audience, start building a community that you can go out and you can start selling your products to? And it doesn't always have to be an exchange of time for money. Because I know a lot of music teachers, you know, you're, you, I have a half hour here, half hour, you know, I have so many half hour slots that I can give away in a week. And this is the great thing about online. It does take a little time to build. I would say it's probably easier to build a brick and mortar than it is to build an online. But the scalability of online is so much greater than a brick and mortar. Let me tell you, if I knew what I knew about online today, I probably wouldn't own a music school. That's how scalable it is. It's just me, right? My me two virtual assistants and an admin. And I made almost as much money online as I did in the music schools last year. Absolutely unreal. So, <laughs> so a lot of people are finding, especially, you know, with COVID when governments were shutting us down and saying you can't work or, you know, for health and safety reasons, a lot of people just, you know, lost their, their paycheck overnight and their income and couldn't support themselves or their families. So you, you obviously feel you were just ready for that opportunity to come along and were able to capitalize on that. So obviously it speaks to if you can set up an online business as uh, a means of income, which is just as big, if not better than your regular paycheck, then you know you've, you can weather the storm and, and access that infinite market while everyone else is restricted by the powers that be. Right. And, you know, that was, you know, COVID is a good example of kind of like being the right person in the right place at the right time and having the right things in place. So I started YouTube in 2017 and my first video went viral towards the end of 2019. So it was like the perfect storm of, cause obviously we know 2020, everything shut down. And of course, you know, as someone with a brick and mortar, you know, when, we, when everything shut down, we lost about 30% of our business overnight. And my wife and I sat down and we had a big conversation. We kind of did like, what is the worst case scenario? I said, the worst case scenario is we're going to lose everything. Like we won't lose our house. I'm like, I know I can go out and get a job and make like, I'll find, I'm just that kind of person. That's, that's just my mentality. I'm like, we will make it through. It's like, I'll go bust somewhere. I'll go beg for money. I'm not too, I'm, you know, some people are like, I could never do that. I'm like, no, if I need money, I will definitely, I will do whatever it takes. 
but I'm like, we might go bankrupt. I was like, but I know if we do that, we'll be able to get it all back that I can, we can build it again. Cause at this point we didn't know how long are we going to be shut down? You know, were the music schools just going to close indefinitely? Like there was a big question mark. And I'm sure a lot of you guys felt like that when everything shut down, you were like, what's going to happen? Like nobody knew, nobody had any clue. And, you know, uh, I remember it was April and I was in the kitchen and I just kept like refreshing my screen. I had like a COVID sale going on that month and it was like the end of the month. It was like ending that month. And I just kept refreshing my screen. And it was like the number like kept going up as we were having this conversation in the kitchen. And my wife was just like, how much money did you make? And I was like, $16,000. I was like, we're going to be fine. <laughs> but it was, I had never made that much money in like a month, you know, for just by myself. I made it at the music schools, but I mean, just by myself, I was like, holy crap. I was like, we just did this. And I was like, we're going to be fine. Even if the music schools close, we're going to be fine. <laughs> so that was, you know, to me, it was just that aha moment of like, this is something big. Even after COVID's done, this is going to be something big. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed you, you know, you're obviously throwing out numbers and statistics and talking about money and sales. A lot of musicians, you know, really have bad mindsets or attitudes towards money. They're often scared yeah. to ask for more. You don't seem to have any of those inhibitions. So what, what advice would you have for guitar players, music teachers, musicians who, you know, think money is the root of all evil or, or don't want to ask for, you know, more than they think they're worth? Yeah. So we've all been taught that that money is the root of all evil. And, and, you know, my parents still say that to me too. They're like, oh, you know, you don't want too much money. You know, money, money causes problems. And in the bottom line with money, the bottom line with money is it only makes you more of what you are. So you're like, oh, you know, like rich people are jerks. And it's like, well, if you do be blunt, if you're an asshole and you make a lot of money, you're just going to be more of an asshole. But if you're someone who's kind and generous, if you make a lot more money, you can be more kind and more generous. And those are things, uh, you know, that I think don't get told about people who, who make money. So let me give you an example. When COVID shut down, we were on the verge of saying, you know, do I have to cut my admin hours? I mean, the schools aren't open. There's not really like, there's nobody to sit at the front desk. Yeah, they were making some phone calls and doing some billing stuff, but I'm sure they weren't working the 40 hours a week that they usually were working, right? So because I was making so much money online, I cut my pay from the music school and I paid my admins so that they wouldn't lose their jobs during COVID and they wouldn't have to worry about were they going to be able to pay their rent for the next few months? So those are examples. You know, that's an example of you know, like, no, it's not like millions and millions of dollars, but that's an example of an option. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, money won't make you happy if you're not happy, but it can give you options. That's the biggest thing with money is it gives you options. And unless you've had enough money to understand how less stressful life can be when you have money. Let me just tell you, do you want to know how much stress I had after that initial period of COVID? I have zero stress in my life <clears throat> about money. It's just, it's not there. 
it's not there. You know, my wife and I have conversations all the time. Like we go to the grocery store and we just buy whatever we want. And that's not like, that's not a huge thing, but how many times you've gone to a grocery store and you're like, Ooh, that's kind of expensive. I got to put that back. Like I've been there. I've been to like, I've only got $50 this, you know, this month for groceries and you, you pick and choose what you can. Imagine being able to go to a grocery store and just putting whatever you want in the cart and not worrying what the total is going to be at the end. That's liberating. That's life-changing. And we're not talking like millions and millions of dollars. I'm just saying enough money to solve some of those problems that cause you the biggest stress in life. I don't clean my house. Someone else cleans my house for me. Why? Because I'm a slob and I don't, you know, I don't have time to go. I hate cleaning. I hate cleaning. I hate doing the lawn. Like anything I hate doing, I just pay other people to do because I don't want to do it. And I'd rather use my time to work on my business or do something else that I do love. So those are examples where money can be used as a tool for good. Just because you've been told all your life that money is evil doesn't mean it is for you. It doesn't have to be. If you want to make it, you can be. But if you make it into something good, it can be something good. And and trust me on this, when you make enough money, it's a good thing. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I was simply just saying, hey, how much better would the music that you make be if you could do that full time as opposed to putting, you know, the best part of your day into a job working for someone else. And, yeah. You know, at the end of the day going, yeah, maybe I won't spend two or three hours composing because I'm absolutely beat. So yeah, yeah, everything you've said will hopefully resonate with our listeners and, and yeah. get them thinking that, you know, money is a good thing. It is like, as you said, just a resource and it amplifies who you are. And if you want to be able to do bigger and better things, you know, you need the money to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were like, you had your charity and you're like, cool, I'm just going to give them $10,000. That That's good, right? And that's what you can do when you're making enough money. To, you can have these passion projects and have the money to actually follow through on them. 100%. And yeah, uh, I, I remember taking guitar lessons with a number of different teachers around my city. So I was just like, okay, well, who's a good player? Who's a good teacher? And I'd go to their house and, you know, sometimes you'd walk through these absolutely disgusting, like, you know, great people, great players. But I remember this one house I walked through, it was like a sea of clothes on the floor. And there was just like a, a pathway, like walked, like a game trail walked through the clothes from the front door, through the kitchen, out to the, like the shed in the backyard. And it's just like, it was disgusting. I only went for like, you know, one lesson. I was like, yeah, it was a great lesson, but I don't think I'm going to go back there. But literally one of the things that's allowed me to build momentum is that positive feedback cycle. You make some money, you buy some nice stuff that makes you stand up from the competition with a nice music stool and nice equipment. Yeah. So more people come to you and then you can charge more and that gives you the confidence. So you keep on just upgrading your equipment. And you know, that's saying the rich get richer. It's more about just reinvesting into yourself and your business and your studio yeah. and getting all the equipment that you need. And like what you said, not having to compromise with poor quality gear or, you know, really nasty chairs, you know, decking out the waiting room for the parents who are, you know, ultimately the customer more so than their kids. So that they have a nice place to hang out and every, every little yeah. 1% thing you can put back into investing in yourself and your business and, and your lifestyle by paying other people to do, you know, the jobs you don't want to do. It all comes back and feeds back and allows you to do more good things. Yeah. And you're less exhausted. You know, 
when we not here, we have like a small yard here and my wife actually likes doing the lawn. So like the little patch of lawn that we have, she takes care of. And I'm like, if you don't want to, I will pay. And she's like, no, 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 I like it. But the last place we had, we had a, we had a big yard and it would take you like a few hours to like mow the lawn, clean everything up. And it's like, you're exhausted after doing that. So you're not going to want to like go and record YouTube videos. Or you're not going to want to go and prep for lessons. Like you're exhausted. So it's also, it's also an energy thing. So think of it that way too. 100%. Well, um, here we are wrapping it up and getting close to the end, but I did want to ask you getting back to the YouTube thing is you seem to have a fantastic community. Um, obviously through your online, um, so your offline business, we're always seeing great photos of teachers and students on social media, but more specifically, some of the reviews you get from your students are absolutely amazing. So can you tell us about the intentionality behind creating a community and, and you know, sharing all these wonderful breakthroughs you're having with your students online? Yeah. So I, I have like, a, there's a free community. I just have a Facebook group, you know, cause my audience is older. So they're still kind of hanging out on Facebook over there. We do have a private group for students and it's it's a great positive environment because, you know, like I said before, so many of them have come from negative experiences where they were told they couldn't do this. So it's nice to meet other people who are their age from all around the world and, and they share videos of them playing and everyone supports them and says, great job, or they'll ask questions and people in the community will, will answer the questions. And I think that's, that's so important because people want to feel like they are part of something. Um, and you know, I, I pop on there live a lot. So they kind of get a lot of like VIP stuff for me. So they feel special because they get to see me, you know, I'll pop on there and like my PJ sometimes <laughs> sipping coffee. And I'm like, I just, I was playing this and I wanted to show you guys. So I'll put videos of me practicing and stuff that I, I don't put on YouTube or that I don't put out, um, a lot. So they feel, very connected and, and they're made to feel special because I mean, they are, they put money down, they're supporting me, they're supporting my family. And um, I want to, again, show them that I care. So I show them, you know, the aspects of my life, you know, you see the, the red Camaro back there. So I share, you know, stories behind, you know, what's the Camaro mean? Why do you have Ninja Turtles there? You know, what's the Gretsch? Why has why the Gretsch never come off the wall? You know, so, so I answer all their questions about me. So it's, it's letting them know who I am and getting to know me better as a person, not just the guitar teacher, but it also allows me to have a relationship with these people and, and get to know them because obviously I can't see them in a room. We're online. So the only way I can talk to them is maybe through a chat or maybe through a video that they post. So that's really important is people want to belong to something. Wonderful. I think there's just so much everyone can learn from what you've just said, building a community, whether it's offline or online. And just that, you know, minor celebrity status, I guess you get from the YouTube is, is our students, you know, want us to succeed. They want to feel like they're part of something and they, you know, oh, yeah. they want someone to look up to it and, and they need a leader. So uh, you're obviously doing a really great job for these people who, you know, want to be led towards their guitar playing goals and, and anyone listening and teaching is going to be the same. These people want help. They need guidance. And it's our job to get them from, you know, A to B. And if we can do that in the most fun, entertaining, enjoyable way possible, that, that's really cool. But don't underestimate that some of these people are going to, you know, really want to know and take interest in your life as well, because they're going to want to, you know, you're more than just a guitar teacher to them at the end of the day. And if you can let them into these you know, little areas and snippets of your life, they're just going to be intrigued. 
Yeah. And, and that helps you connect. It builds a stronger bond with them, you know, because, you know, my guys like classic cars too. And they see, I like classic cars. And they're like, oh, Lauren's so cool. She likes classic cars and, you know, and, and she's younger and I'm older. And so it's, it's those little connections that, that you create with people. What, what are the commonalities? What do you share? You know, I have a dog. I post pictures of my dog and I know you have, you have a very similar dog. So, you know, we post pictures of our dogs because people love dogs. And then, you know, people send me photos of their dogs. So it makes me more than just, hi guys, I'm Lauren who plays guitar on YouTube. It's like, no, I'm a person too. And, you know, I have a life outside of just YouTube and outside of guitar. And, I, and I'm willing to share that with you. Yeah, I always knew there was something I liked about you. It's the fact that you have a sausage job just like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, any little thing that people can find similarities and common ground with, you know, are great um, ways to connect. Yeah. Uh, now, an assumption on my behalf, but most of your students, I'd say you've got this massive YouTube presence that's growing bigger every day. And that obviously feeds into a course and, and you've just either updated your course or have released like a, a new version. So do you want to tell us about your beginner guitar course? Once COVID happened and I was making a lot of money last year, I went through and recorded um, my whole beginner course again. And I recorded all my other little mini courses that come after it. And it's just, it's my process for teaching people to play guitar. It's the process I came up with, you know, when I was in my studio. And I always, you know, forget because again, my students are older. So I felt a lot of the method and method books. I'm sure a lot, as a guitar teacher, you guys know, there's like never the perfect method book. So I felt like I wanted to create my own system for working people through like step by step. And, and I call it the seven level system. And it, it, it's funny because I know you have the ninja books, Michael, with like the belts and the colors. I, I always compare it to like karate. So it's like the level system. And I, like level one's like your, the white belt. I don't call it the white belt, but it's like seven levels of learning guitar. And once you get through that, you can really go anywhere. If you want to go into blues, if you want to go into finger picking, you can go anywhere. But it's basic foundation of helping people learn what they need to on guitar so that they can start having fun playing songs that they know and love. Yeah. And you no know, great minds think alike. It's all about what's the simplest, most effective first step I can get my students to take. And then once they have those fundamentals down, you know, move up to that next level. But yeah. it's just so great that, as you said, there's just no really good or all encompassing methods. And that's what led me to write my own book. That's what's led you to go out and create your own course. But to see that the next generation or even the older generation of, of guitar students are getting a better shot at learning their instrument because People like you, people like me are trying to go, hang on, these books that we're getting off the shelf, they're just no good. They were created you know, 50 years ago. They haven't been updated at all. You wouldn't get medical advice from a doctor from 50 years ago. They'd be telling you that smoking <laughs> is good for you. So why are you getting <laughs> musical advice when there's been breakthroughs in literally every other area of education? Like, you know, you don't learn at school the same way you did 50 years ago. Lots of other areas and breakthroughs in sports and psychology and science and you know, success coaching, it's all different, but why are we teaching guitar the same way it was taught 50 years ago? I don't know, but it sounds like you're definitely onto the, you know, the right path and, and the simple fact that you can have all these massive impacts on your students' lives by taking a different approach with a different curriculum. You know, it, it's just testament to things are being done the wrong way and hopefully we're all getting collaboratively on the right track. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, 
you know, I, one of the other like terms we throw around, we're like fun before theory. That's, you know, I don't really teach a lot of music theory in the, in the beginner course, because for me, I remember being that kid in piano lessons that was like force fed music theory. And I hated it. I appreciate music theory. I don't want people, cause I know some people like, no, you need music theory. I listen, I love music theory. I teach music theory. I just don't teach it to the beginners because from my experience, and this is how we teach, we teach on our experiences. For me, that was the most frustrating part about being a beginner was like, I had to learn this language that I knew nothing about. Like, well, this is a C chord and it's a triad and it's made up of C, E and G. And it's like, I don't even know how to play a C chord. Can we just like, just, just assume this is a C chord and let's move forward. <laughs> so I, I tell people like, I will let you know when you need to know. But in the beginning, just trust me that what I'm telling you is okay for right now. And we'll get into it more later. <laughs> And a lot of teachers just need to remember back to when they were a kid about, you know, what did they enjoy? What didn't they enjoy? And most of them are going to go, oh, yeah, I probably didn't like it as much. And then, you know, a couple of years later, when I knew that guitar or piano or music was my thing, then I got obsessed with it. And then, you know, that leads you down the path of expertise that, yeah, just right. so many people, you know, if you're teaching them sight reading and music theory, like your days with them are absolutely numbered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, w when I was teaching privately, most of my people were acoustic guitar and they were female. It was funny when I was teaching in person, most of my students were female and acoustic guitar. They didn't want to learn the pentatonic scale. They didn't want to play solos. They didn't want to improvise. So I didn't teach them that stuff. Like I, I didn't want to like force it down their throat. If they didn't want it, they didn't want it. I'll keep teaching them finger picking songs. Totally fine. Whatever they want, I will teach them. 100%. And yeah, it's just about making that connection with them. And uh, if, if they're happy, if they're enjoying their lessons, they're coming. And at the end of the day, if you can't read music, and I, I always differentiate between you know sight reading and understanding the theory. Sight reading is a musicianship skill. Understanding what's going on is a completely different skill. But you know, unless you're a professional musician or you know a really high up hobby player, you don't actually know how to read music, and you can get quite far with only really basic music theory. So yeah, just yeah. remembering that not all of our students are in the academic side of of music lessons, and, and just making it fun right. for them. And yet teach them on a need-to-know basis. Very, very important. Yeah. So, Lauren, um, in the last couple of questions for you here, I know it seems like, you know, you, you've, you were working a job and you decided, oh, I'm going to make more money. And so you became a guitar teacher and, and then you did really well at that. And then you opened a commercial location and you did really well at that and got up to three locations, you know, 90 grand uh, per month. That sounds like you're wake, making well over a million dollars a year, which is a huge milestone. And then it seems like you're doing a similar thing, you know, with the online space. So what has led to you being successful in almost you know, every endeavor that we see you entering into? Um, it's the Midas touch. No, uh, I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and that I'm the type of person that when I say I'm going to do something, I will do it and nothing will get in my way or stop me from doing it. I, I'm very persistent in, in that matter. And I'm also, I'm the person who will, Put in the work when you don't want to. There's There's been days where it's like, oh, it's so nice outside. I want to go outside. And it's like, nope, I can't. I can't. I really have to do this work. So uh, I'm a bit obsessive on that point. And, and that is a that is a strength of mine. It, it's a weakness in other areas of my life because then I ignore um, some other things. But uh, I'm very good at goal setting and hitting targets. Whenever I've worked with a business coach, they love me because they're like, you set a target, you hit it, you move on to the next thing. And it's like, well, why would I set a target and not hit it? 
Like that, that's just me. That's my, my personality. It's like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. There's a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And then they find out it's a lot of work. And then they're like, ah, never mind. Um, so I'm that person who knew, like even going into YouTube, I didn't make any money the first year in YouTube. I don't know, maybe I made like $30 or something, but I didn't make a lot of money. And, and then the second year, I was looking at the numbers actually yesterday in preparation for this. I'm big on numbers, if you can't tell. I made $3,000 my second year in YouTube on, in 2018. Like that's nothing to write home about, okay? That's, that's really nothing to write home about. But that's for me, the motivation. That's the light at the tunnel that's showing me like, ooh, I made a penny today. If I do that every day of the week, now I just need to learn how to multiply that. that that's, that's how my brain works. Um, so that, that's my biggest thing that I can give you for advice is set a goal, and figure out how to hit it. Whether you have to break that major goal into 10 micro goals to get there, when it gets hard, you have to push through. You have to push through. I don't think anyone is successful in life by giving up when it got hard. That's it. Wonderful, wonderful advice there. And you mentioned um, coaching before. So how important has been having the right coaching and guidance from, you know, mentors uh, a little yeah. bit up above for you or yeah, tell us about, you know, the right coaching. Yeah. I, I believe in mentorship so much. I have a new mentor that I usually work with every year. Um, I hired a business coach that I worked with for the entire year last year. She was actually the woman who told me um, to go online and do YouTube many years ago. I cycled back and, and we worked again uh, together for the entire year. I hired her for a full year. But I think it's very important to work with the business coach, someone who knows something more than you do, or, or they're doing something that like you want to get there, or they can connect you with people. Like I, I had a business coach and this was in 2020 and then it was like $10,000 to work with him for like three months. I think it was, it was the most I'd ever spent on a business coach. And I was just like, this was when COVID had just happened. So I'm like, I don't even know if I have the $10,000. I was just like, whatever. I put on a credit card. I was like, I'll put on a credit card and I'll just pay it off over time. Because that, again, that's the kind of person I am. I'm like, nope, I know I'll make this money back. I know I can make money. And he was telling me, I was still doing all the editing for all my videos and everything. He's like, why are you still editing? He goes, you need to get an assistant. And he's like, send me an email. I'm going to hook you up in a with the virtual assistant. And that virtual assistant is still the one I use today who edits all my YouTube videos. So it just goes to show you that depending on the level of business coach you work with, they have different connections that they can hook you up with, but they've made the mistakes that you've already made. I made tons of mistakes on YouTube and, you know, when I work with clients, I try to prevent them from making the mistakes that I made. It's kind of like the fast track. You know, I it, th there's really no secrets. OK, and, and I don't know how Michael feels about this, but there's so many gurus out there selling you. This is the secret. There really is no secret. Just like what's the secret to your success? Hard work, hard work. And <laughs> it's not a secret. It just is. So, you know, work with a coach. One, you have to have a chemistry with them and you have to believe that they can help you and that they are going to help you. And you have to find someone that's ready for the level you're at. You know, if you're just starting, maybe a $10,000 coach isn't worth it. Or maybe they are. Maybe you can afford a $10,000 coach and you, you elevate so much faster. 
That's the difference. And again, that's kind of like where money is good thing. But I just feel it's important to have someone to check in with. If you can't hold yourself accountable, get a coach that can hold you accountable. That can be a game changer for a lot of people. Oh, I couldn't agree more about the hard work thing. It literally comes yeah. down to, you know, you could have all the advice or all the secrets in the world, but unless you execute and you get get it done, then like, you know, it all goes to waste. And yeah, I always tell people, like, there's always do's and don'ts, but there's not too many secrets left in life that people don't know about. Yeah. And yeah, I'd err on the side of, um, you know, if you invest $10,000 with somebody, you're probably going to put in a little bit more effort to, you know, work hard and make sure you implement as opposed to buying a, you know, a $99 course and then just going, "Eh, eh, so what? (laughs) I didn't really want it that bad. Right. Well, that's the other part of it too. You buy a $99 course, you know, if you're the kind of person who falls through, you fall through, or, you know, last year I paid $20,000 to work with this business coach. Well, guess what? She pushed me to make that $20,000 back in January and the rest of the month, the rest of the year was free. So I made my money back in one month and, and that's the level of business coach that she was. She was like, you're spending a lot of money with me. We should make that back right now. And so we did. We did some sales and we did an offer. And I had the highest sales month that I had ever had at that time. And, you know, I was like, great. I already paid for my coaching in one month. Now I get the rest of the year free. That's awesome. And what a great way to think about it as well. So, uh, Lauren, it's been absolutely fantastic having you here on the podcast. Um, awesome to hear about your amazing success in almost every venture that you're doing and onwards and upwards from here. So before we wrap it up, where can our listeners find and follow and listen and and get courses and everything from you if they're interested? Yeah. So um, my main website is laurenbateman.com. That's the main guitar website. Um, If you're interested in the YouTube YouTube stuff, it's full-time tubers. But I'm always on Instagram. Uh, it's at the Lauren Bateman. You guys can message me. It's not a VA or a bot that's answering questions. If you message me on Instagram, it is me getting back to you. Um, sometimes if you send an email through a website, it might be my assistant. But if you want to talk to me directly, directly at the Lauren Bateman on Instagram, that's the best way to, to reach out and chat with me. Lauren Bateman, thank you so much for joining us on the Top Music Guitar Podcast. We'll look forward to speaking to you very soon. And of course, check her out online, laurenbateman.com. Thank you so much, Lauren. Have a fantastic afternoon there, I guess it is, over in Boston. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, We definitely want to hear some recommendations for who else you'd like to have podcasts with. Uh, Let us know in the forum or wherever you're listening here. So thanks again, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.